Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to your Making It Worse. We're here, we're queer, who cares? I'm Elliot Glazer. And I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. Textual Healing. Hey, H. Allen here. One quick thing before we get to the chat today. So we chatted about the L.A. Dodgers Pride Day and how the Dodgers rescinded the invitation to the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. You've seen the story. It's been all over social media. Well, literally the next day, the Dodgers did the right thing and welcomed the Sisters back to their Pride Night. So our chat still stands, but frankly, I'm just glad I was proven right. Anyway, enjoy. So as per the LA Times, uh, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, a charity protest and street performance organization that uses humor, drag and religious imagery to call attention to sexual intolerance, um, is no longer going to be honored by the LA Dodgers Community Hero Award. They were going to be part of, I believe, uh, Pride Night. They were, um, they were getting a they were being awarded Pride Night. Yeah, get, get, getting, getting this award at Pride Night. Pride Night's a pretty consistent annual thing that happens at Dodger Stadium. Um, But this made news because Marco Rubio um, and a bunch of Catholic leaders pushed pushed back at the plans to essentially reward and recognize the group um, at Dodger at at Dodger Stadium. And uh, and it's you know, the, the, the Dodgers released like a statement in like an Instagram graphic, like the whole thing that almost seemed like baited. Uh, yeah. for social media and so now there's it's handled you know, so badly so strange like it was all of it is just so strange but you know as with brent being our um resident athlete uh <laughs> <laughs> our oh, resident oh, wow. or, or sports fan yeah, sports, sports fanatic fan. let's be let's say that i wouldn't say yeah yeah, yeah, yeah right yeah, no, i know oh, the, clo- okay, very well, the most the thing i've ever seen you do is roll downstairs oh i actually watched that video this week by the yeah. way sure. that you, re- you helped me record thank you again yeah. <laughs> But yeah, ultimately, you know, this is this has caused a sort of mini crisis, at least in L.A. And people are pushing back and basically, you know, calling for pr- for protests of Pride Night at, at, at Dodger Stadium. Well, and I most was... of the people who are participating, the organizations that are that were participating or being honored with L.A. Dodgers Pride Night have now backed out in support of Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. So, right. Just the people, it's actual community leaders who are pulling out as well. OK, well, yeah, I just was curious what. Brent in particular thought about the whole thing because he's the 
Although I do, yeah. I do like the Dodgers. I like I like going yeah, to Dodgers. Yeah, of course. Games. Look, I mean, look, everyone loves Mookie Betts. Um, <laughs> look, here, here's 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 my stance. Uh, I I I hate feeling the obligation to support a group that happens to pursue an activity that I strongly believe is worthy of defense. In this case, drag, but they pursue drag in a manner that I personally find unproductive. Now, I think one hundred percent they should. Everyone agrees they should be allowed to do whatever performance that they want, anywhere they want. Um, uh, I even think fucking Marco Rubio would probably agree with that. You, you know, uh, well, Marco Rubio. But regardless, um, uh, I. But when you start to become sort of a public political advocacy group, and you are dressing in drag as nuns, and I, I read in Marco Rubio's statement, also perhaps like Jesus, like Jesus. Um, whether that's true or not, I don't know. No. But regardless, I just feel like I'm a believer that you're playing with fire. And um, I, I just, even even though I'm an atheist, I get weirded out when an advocacy group uses religious imagery to call attention to their cause. I see the point that they're making, and I agree that they're righteous, but they know they're playing with fire. And I, I just think, I, I just think it's counterproductive. Um, to to exploit religious imagery that will in, in, let's be honest you're intentionally inflaming and 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 being incendiary to a small a small group and I just I don't know I just if a comic did it I wouldn't support it and if a comic had an act that was like you know uh, uh, pushed back on certain Catholic dogma I would say 100 you're allowed to have your act I might even laugh at it but I don't think it deserves to be awarded if it's intentionally incendiary well i don't i think that one of the things that i think about this is this is selective outrage the the sisters have been at the dodgers past pride events this is somehow new rate outrage by not even catholics the large majority of catholics in every pew research poll shows that they support the large amount more than 60 percent support same-sex marriage and the 60 percent one is just in the united states if you look to europe it's in the 70s and 80s yeah. so Catholics are not outraged by these men dressing up as nuns. Nobody is outraged by any of the drag that they're doing. In fact, I would even argue if you polled Los Angeles Catholics, they would say, this is cute. This is funny. I like this because I would say most rational Catholics have an understanding that the outrage that Marco Rubio probably should have is at the systemic sexual abuse scandal that's been happening within the Catholic Church for years. And it's it's selective outrage just because queer people are doing it. Every place in entertainment from Whoopi Goldberg to the Golden Girls have sexualized nuns in some capacity and made millions of dollars off the Catholic Church and poking fun at the idea of nuns and sex and being double entendre. This group, however, works and is being rewarded for their work with HIV AIDS charities. They've been around for more than 30 years. It's like, it's just selective outrage and it's new now somehow because it's cool to be outraged by queer things and these people are an easy target because it distracts from other things that they should be having conversations about so it has absolutely nothing to do with the actual group and what they do or their message because no one who is outraged is actually cares about their message or any of the great work that they're doing they only care that it's queer people doing this and somehow it's dangerous or offensive or whatever and so now they're outraged even though you go back 20 years they were still doing it in in different settings in public and no one has been outraged in any connection to the dodgers or any other pride activity so well wait but i'm just argument. curious yeah I, 
um, I, I, I think I think the the critical element under these circumstances is that they're getting an award from the Dodgers. I don't believe they've received an award from the Dodgers before. They've been recognized but they haven't received have an award, right? Award or them participating in some capacity. There's no difference. They would still be. I mean, even if they weren't getting an award this year, they would still somehow make up some sort of outrage out of this. So, like Marco Rubio's beef is not that they were being awarded; it's that that they were actually going to be participating in Dodgers Pride ceremony. So, like. It has nothing to do even with the award. It has everything to do with that they're just there. What do you think, Elliot? Yeah, I mean, I'm just sort of <laughs> like when I saw it, I was like, uh, it it just seemed like blown out of proportion to me. I didn't because when I looked at their site and their Instagram and stuff and read about it, it's like I didn't know that they I guess I was surprised by the fact that they talk about how they um, were, you know, have, have for years or decades have been about the response to AIDS and um, um, that they were there to raise money and help, you know, the, the fact they were there to raise money and, and, you know, create awareness about safe sex and all that stuff is like, obviously important, but I don't also like, I, I, I am confused by their like message in the sense that they're, they, to me, it feels like they're sending up Catholicism, you know, like, like it's, it's like, drag performance art humor and it's very subversive or at least meant to be like dirty and tongue-in-cheek so i think i was just like oh yeah like of course if if a republican or the republicans are going to go after the low-hanging fruit they're going to go after these like this quote-unquote you know the, the the sisters of perpetual indulgence because they're the most um what's the word i guess body body and target yeah. obvious flamboyant so that made sense to me i guess I don't know. I'm just sort of like, I'm. I guess I'm so su just surprised that it it caught fire the way that it did because yeah. to me, I I wouldn't have or that the Dodgers gave in so easily because that, it, that's the bummer. Clearly, it's like Los Angeles and the people of Los Angeles wouldn't no support them. No one cares about this. This is not an issue, and yet a senator from Florida who's going to cause a social media outburst is scares these LA Dodgers publicists, and that's why it happened. And it's like. No one in LA actually probably is on the side of Dodgers doing this. I mean, sure, there's probably a small majority, a small, a small group of people who are, but the vast majority of people who are attending Pride Night do not give a fuck. <laughs> like, of course not. I think it's like, I mean, I think unfortunately it's like we're at that point where I I am ashamed of sort of laughing at the idea that these very archaic ideas about that Republicans have sort of tried to legitimize like the idea of calling gay people groomers and making gay teachers look dangerous and making drag look dangerous and drag queen story you know the fact that they've tried to make all this stuff look dangerous and threatening and and you know against the well the welfare of children i laughed because i was like this can't catch on it's so it, old it, and like we don't we don't live in that world anymore and yet this is like i'm, I'm i was like stunned that something this to me, it just seems silly. Like yeah. you're going after these guys. Like they're like a, a I thought it was like a goofy performance art troupe thing. Yeah. And I guess I'm just sort of, I was perplexed by the fact that they were like, like digging their heels into the Catholicism of it all, where I'm like, this is just getting untenable well, to me. Also too, I mean, on top of that, a, a, a certain part of the group is how the Catholicism has treated sort of homosexuals over the years. And right. this is an outlet for many of those people as True. well. Yeah. On right. top of that though, 
What blows me away, I this, I, it's this is anecdotal, but it's it it really surprises me. I was in the same boat, Elliot, in that like, I thought to myself, rational people can't be buying this whole groomer. It's silly. Thing. Like they can't be buying into this. This is not a normal right. thing. And I posted a stupid clip from um, the Tu Wong Fu film. It's a drag film. And just for Brent's sake, because I, <laughs> I don't know if Brent knows what that movie is. I, it went viral. And what was so surprising to me in the comments, I don't usually look at the comments, but what was so surprising is so many people had this very simple rationalization. Oh, I have nothing against drag. Just don't do it around kids. Just don't bring it right. around kids. You know, don't, don't scare the kids with it. And that message, that Republican message that somehow, and it's, it's, it goes deeper than that because when they say don't bring it around kids, what they're really saying and what they maybe don't even realize when they're saying it is it means don't bring queer people around kids. Queer yeah, they're dangerous. Dangerous. They're they're lurking in the corners. And that's the message that they're sending. And the message is resonating with I don't know how many people, but it surprised me in that comment. I mean, that comment has like hundreds of thousands of, of comments on it now, that post. And so many of them, if you look through, I've deleted a lot of them, but so many of them were perfectly nice comments, but they were just like, don't bring it around kids. And it just blows me away that they don't see, they don't connect what's going on there. You know what I mean? I, I definitely think when it comes to tra uh, trans and drag rights, we are not winning the the battle at, at the present time. And I, I think you don't have to look any farther than, you know, public enemy number one when it comes to trans rights was Ron DeSantis in Florida. And he absolutely destroyed yeah. Uh, his his reelection campaign, he won by 18 points against actually a decent candidate. Uh, and obviously, Florida has kind of shifted to the right over the last few years. Everyone knows that. But it's still technically it's not like Alabama. Um, yeah. A Democrat shouldn't be losing by 18 points. And um, and I, I just, you know, I just think it's important to remind ourselves, like, you know, it, it might seem rational. We might seem like we have the righteous talking points, but it's not connecting. And. Yeah. And it's and we're not winning right now. I ultimately, of course, think we will in the long run. I, I think that's almost always uh, inevitable. But it's just a matter of, you know, well, how so, long that process is going to take. And, and it's so interesting to just be in a bubble where, like, as a gay millennial or whatever you want to however you want to contextualize it as a queer I person, gay millennial. <laughs> as a, no, as a queer person, it's like I'm I, I watch i'm not i'm not a drag race fanatic but i watch drag race my one of my best friends does drag i see and i'm not by, by like bothered in the least by the I, the conceit of men gay men straight men queer men wearing makeup like the the fluidity of gender and sexuality is so normal to me yeah. that because you're bubble because you're bubble that, that's what i mean i'm saying like i'm i, I would I'm in a bubble where when people actually respond this way and leave comments that to your point, they're not trying, they're not necessarily trying to be um, evil, you know, angry contrarians. They're just repeating a, a speaking, a speaking point that they heard somewhere and just it's, that resonated with them. It's wild. And I think Brent, you're right. And you don't expect me to say that a lot more. Brent, you're right in that um, there, there is, there, this is, I do think that we'll be right in the long run and that will be proven, history will prove itself that we're right. But that said, I think in moments like this, when things, actions like this happen, when there's this sort of like, when organizations or businesses kowtow to sort of discriminating against queer people or discriminating against a great group that the majority of the queer community supports, 
it's important that we stand up, that we say something, that we participate, that we talk about it, that we communicate about these things. Because if we just accept it as like just another crazy thing from the right, right. Hand, then it becomes normalized. And that's what led to the election of Trump and what led to a lot of other things that we just became, we, we rested on our, our laurels in a lot of ways with, 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 with Obama. And I feel like if we don't actually say this is wrong, I'm outraged by this, then nothing ever will change and it'll never stop. You know what I mean? I do hear that. I, I, at the end of the day, sort of back to my original point, though, I just this isn't a hill that I care about dying on. No, I understand and respect your consistency. Um, and, and look, you know, whatever. I mean, it's not like anyone cares what I think about the matter either way. But like, I, I just think sometimes, you know, um, I, I think you're right. In a city like Los Angeles, uh, the community supports it, the L, the, you know, LGBT and otherwise. Yeah. Um, and I, I hear that point completely. I just, it's like, I, you know, I wouldn't go toe to toe with Marco Rubio no, on this because I just, not. I don't care enough. But that's not know? what I'm implying. What I'm implying is, let's say, in, like when I go home to St. Louis and I was just recently there and I, you guys know how I dress, you know how I look in public. It's like not that shocking of a thing, but in a place like St. Louis, it is very shocking. And I remember I went to, I think we went to Target or Walmart or one of the places and I was wearing what I normally wear, which is like, a, it's, it's kind of like a shirt dress sort of thing. It was a long yeah. shirt and shorts. A and black flowing silk. Yeah. Yeah. My denim wasn't silk, but my denim jacket and like my, my, my sandals that I wear and I have my nails painted and they're longer and all the things. And I genuinely felt uncomfortable just by the people looking at me and I, I could see it. I could see, and there was one kid who said something and I could see it. I could see the reaction from people and it didn't make me necessarily feel unsafe or uncomfortable but it did make me feel othered in a way that was uncomfortable and so what i mean by we have to say stuff is if you living in los angeles here and your parents would never say this but i'm just using it as example if your mom was like can you believe that they're allowing drag queens with around kids or that right. these guys can wear dresses in public and stuff that's it's those moments those are the most powerful moments of activism when you can say to that person saying that on the other end of your phone of your family member saying it whatever it is you know what that's not actually let's have a conversation about that because that's yeah. not a bad thing and that that's so much more important than sharing something don't shame Instagram. them yeah don't, don't shame scream them. at them don't hang up the phone have a conversation you know honestly we i was just talking about this last night Elliot was telling me that sometimes he also feels uncomfortable when he goes out in public in Los Angeles. I mean, it's oh. a little different for him because he's not wearing anything below the belt. <laughs> yeah. um, it's but... a plug hanging out. It's a long yeah, exactly. grab on. <laughs> not even joking. We are here with um, Maddie. Um, well, I guess Madison is the more formal <laughs> formal use, but my friend Maddie McFerrin, uh, Maddie the musician, um, you just released your first technical full-length album, I, would, I guess you would call it, right? Was this your first yeah. full, right? Because everything before this was an EP or, right. yeah. And this is mm -hmm. called I Hope You Can Forgive Me. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, congratulations. I mean, it's, yeah. it's Thank a you long so time much. in the making and God, yeah. it's, it's so cool. good. That's such a Thank big... you. I appreciate that. What is the title yeah, that... part two? Like, what is the, because I, I tell people to forgive me all the time. So what is, what are, what are you <laughs> Um, you know, it's really about, you know, trying to forgive yourself for things that you've done in the past that, you know, might hold you back and you need to move forward. And I think 
oftentimes we uh, get caught up in mm -hmm. regret and feeling like, oh, if I'd just done this or that differently, yeah. you know, everything kind of happens for a reason. So you, you got to like let shit go, you know, yeah. that's such a good message. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah I absolutely agree. And so you so you released this album and um, I mean, we're not a music podcast, but like <laughs> you and I, of course, like uh, uh, you sang back up for me during my live comedy shows in new york haunting renditions that's how we became friends through my sister and i've watched you and your music um as your fans have really like change shape i would say you know mm -hmm. especially after seeing you do live looping as you know as such a like signature of, of your live performance how would you describe the change that's happened and resulted in this in the the, the new album so the biggest change is that I learned how to produce mm. during the pandemic. And um, so I ended up producing 70% of this album myself, mm. which women only make up 2.8% of producers in music. Oh, wow. So, you know, we're, we're a small but mighty contingent. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't really my plan. It was just, you know, COVID really messed everything up as we all know mm -hmm. on, on several levels and, you know, live shows, of course, were gone and I was supposed to be on the road, the majority of 2020. Mm. And then all of a sudden that just wasn't happening. And I had this gear at home and I was like, I got to get out my creativity somehow. So mm. I figured I'd, I'd go for it and I ended up really enjoying it. So I was like, all right, let's do this. Let's, let's have, figure this out. Have you subsequently returned? I mean, obviously the pandemic has receded, but are you, you on the road uh as much as you'd like to be right now or uh well i'm actually at the start of a tour i'm actually not home right now oh. because i'm like in the throes of just the beginning of it i just started the first gig was last night and so Ooh, how did um, it go yeah it was interesting <laughs> <laughs> but you know it was a solid um like first show with this new music mm -hmm. it was like a good audience to like test things mm -hmm. out yeah. on type of thing Support there were some crowd. Yeah. yeah there were some technical difficulties but we figured it out uh but it it was good but yeah no we're, things are really about to kick into gear i have like um about 40 gigs 40 dates lined up oh wow that's awesome and and november so i have to ask you so like one of the things that i always i am a huge hotel person you get me into a hotel yes. room and i am like in oh my god then i want to pee on the me seat. too like, i don't know why you literally look like you're you look like you're <laughs> yeah. sucking dicks alan the I way mean, you acted that out there's yeah. so many possibilities in a hotel room the things that you can do are you when you're on the road do you love a hotel or after 40 dates are you kind of like no more hotels yeah um after a lot of time i'm definitely no more hotels right now i'm actually in like a it's like an apartment hotel like oh, it's clearly yeah. No, like yeah. set up as like many apartment situations so i'm not mad at though because they have it's like there's laundry a kitchen there's a tub yeah. yeah there's a kitchenette yeah. you know there's a really big closet that's like the size of a bedroom in a new york apartment you wow. know so it's like you know, someone's you know, you just like hey don't you want to like you know what i mean like don't you want to walk into the hallway and just kick a usa today out of the way just 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 because you can't <laughs> right, <totally. laughs> right. Uh, well here's the thing here's the thing though it depends on the hotel because there are some great hotels you know there are yeah. some really fabulous 
hotels Marriott, yeah. and so you know not too shabby not too <laughs> yeah, shabby right I, I had this gig once it was so random it was in rhode island and it was during the pandemic and it was like this they were doing virtual stuff but i had to go to this venue in rhode island to be <laughs> recorded and then they put us up in this insane suite that had like this huge one of the biggest marble tub i've ever seen in my life like this huge deck and like the hotel had like a mercedes you could rent out and we were like okay oh my god (laughs) i i I know over the years elliot has vented about how he can't go on the road he can't perform in a city that doesn't have a ritz carlton he's just said it (laughs) and so you know, I, I do. I Oh, sorry, sorry Alan, let me, let me throw this out real quick, because I'm always curious. I think I've asked this of musicians before, but what's it? So what to you is a good show and what to you is a bad show when it comes to music? And I say that, obviously, from the perspective of comedians, of the three of us, where like you can tell when it's not a good crowd, mm-hmm. <laughs> when they're not into you. Right. What's it like for a musician? Well, I mean, I think it's the same thing. It's like a the crowd is really what determines if it's a good show or not. Because I could have what for me personally is a, like, I sound great. Yeah. You know, like I, I put on my absolute best show, but if the crowd is not about it, then it doesn't even matter. Yeah. Because a, a better show, if I, even if I sounded like shit, but the crowd was like right there with yeah. me, they were like singing along. They like were giving me all the vibes. I will take that show 10 yeah. times out of 10 over like oh i sounded my absolute best but the audience wasn't paying attention i'm like i'm competing with a bunch of bar noise or like or things like that like there have been a few shows where it's like i'm really putting my i mean i always put my best foot forward with with shows but there are some times when it's like you just want to like jump into the audience and like punch somebody in the face yeah yeah what does it take for you people to care yeah (laughs) yeah you're like why did you even come to this like why did you come to my show if you're just going to be an asshole you know (laughs) it doesn't make any sense it's it's mostly like but it's mostly because it's like mostly body language then though like you're picking up on body language how how fervent they're they're they're, they clap after a number whether they sing along that kind of thing right Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah definitely okay that's why. Alan, what were you going to say? Oh, no, I was going to talk something again it. about a part or hotels. I, we're, we're off hotels. <laughs> oh, sorry. Well, how, we've moved on. Yeah, we've moved how on. Experienced, right, <laughs> have, you, have you experienced like any particular place uh, as being like a go-to for having a good crowd? And I only ask that as somebody who I've talked about this many times in the podcast before. I've never experienced a crowd like I have in Philly. Where people oh. are out of their fucking, they're the the greatest and cr- like craziest people I've ever met in my life. <laughs> oh, I've, wow. I've, I've never seen pe- anybody like that. I've never seen a crowd like that before. And I wonder if you have found any sort of um, consistency in any particular place. Um, I would say London for me yeah. is a big one. They show me a lot of love, mm-hmm. um, and they are usually very attentive and really with it. Um, I I always have a really great time in London. I, about I, that? I had that too. I was going to say that too, because I was thinking in terms of comedy and like how like whenever I performed or done anything, it's always sort of I've, I've liked the city more because of the audience, if the audience is great. Mm-hmm. And every time I've done anything in London or like anywhere in the UK, the audience is just different. They're just like, mm-hmm. they're engaged in a way that is just different from American audiences. And it's a lot more fucking pleasing. 
Mm. Yeah. I mean, I won't say the UK as a whole, because I have had some bad shows in other places in the UK, but London has always been great. But um, I think for music, from my standpoint, um, Europe in general, but also, and I will also say Warsaw. Warsaw loves me. Oh my God. They they love me me in Poland. They're like obsessed. They're obsessed. I've played in Warsaw like four or five times. You know, it's just like they, they love me. But um, I will say overseas and especially in London, they they are much more accepting of like different types of music. They're Mm. not so fully entrenched in like top 40 billboard is like what they get down with. Like they're really into left of center things and mm-hmm. they they have a lot of space for it and they appreciate it and there's a lot of that kind of music that also comes out of london as well so i think mm-hmm. that like it's just kind of in the sauce in that space where they're like much more receptive to that being something that they can get down with you know well they i mean you look at you think of like london or or just england in general and it's like somehow they came up with like they had they came up with like the Beatles and the Stones, but also like the Spice Girls, and yeah. like they have really <laughs> run the gamut in terms of top mm-hmm. of the pops no. and disposable music versus like you know some of the most definitive music of the last century. What, what about mm-hmm. what about Korea? Do you find yourself ever touring there? I mean, they've certainly become sort of an emergent power in in yeah. pop in pop music. I have not played any solo shows in Asia. But um, I have been there performing music with my dad and they were always great. And Korea was awesome. Apparently, so there's like another music app that they use in China that apparently I am like way up there in terms of what people listen to. Like I have just as many fans as like Erica Badu or something like that on this like random platform. I've never heard. I couldn't even tell you. Are you seeing any checks from this random platform? Uh, Not that I know of. Not that I know of. (laughs) Well, that's paying yen. So you, how would you know? Right. Exactly. (laughs) Well, you mentioned your dad too. Your dad is Bobby McFerrin. Uh, famously Uh, and mm -hmm. i i wonder um how much of traveling with your dad or just you know witnessing his career firsthand how much of that like shape your expectation because your music's not the same like Mm -hmm. you do r&b that sort of veers into like a I was going to say electronic, like I'm a thousand years old. (laughs) (laughs) It's a you know, like it's like mm -hmm. it's centered in in, in like R&B, I would Mm -hmm. would say. And your dad's stuff is like more obtuse. I don't Is it it's a world. I don't know what you'd call it. Yeah, I guess so. You know, just like everything. Experimental, everything. Yeah. 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 (laughs) How much is that? Do you feel like watching like watching his career has prepared you in in a at all or or? you know, set certain expectations? I mean, totally. I mean, I I think uh, it would be unavoidable, you know, especially considering that I'm in the same field. But I think that the biggest thing that it's really taught me um, is just that like being a solo performer is possible. Um, You know, I feel really grateful for the fact that I am a very competent solo performer. I've just recently started playing with a band um but right I you had a looping do... machine for it was like for a while it was all you 
Right. And even when I stopped doing just the looping machine, it was still just me with like tracks and some other stuff. And uh, I think there's a lot to say for being able to command the stage as a single human being um, and not needing to rely on a bunch of other people to make something to make a performance great. Um, I think that that's really important. And then on top of that, another thing is like, my dad just always has a lot of fun on stage. That's like Mm -hmm. his number one thing is like, there's a lot of joy. There's a lot of laughter. There's a lot of jokes. Um, Half of my set when I'm doing solo, especially is like me pretending I'm a stand-up comedian because it's like, (laughs) what else am I supposed to do with this like dead Mm -hmm. space, you know? And, and that definitely comes from my dad of just like being so comfortable in yourself in that space to like not allow what otherwise could potentially be dead space to like yeah be dead space it's just yeah. like all right well yeah. i gotta fill this like okay so for example part of why i said that last night's kickoff show was weird was it we had a whole sound check everything was fine and then we got on stage and or actually the band got on stage first because I was trying to do like a oh they play a little music and then I trickle on stage mm-hmm. you know yeah. like a little like a little diva yeah, or whatever yeah, 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 right? right you know and the keyboard was not coming on at all so for oh. like for the first 20 minutes well oh, first, no. Uh, it, no well first first it was like the keyboard wasn't working the keyboard finally starts working and I come on and they start playing this track and then the drummer had a click in his ear to be able to play and that wasn't working oh my God. so we had to we had to stop like I literally sang like 30 seconds of the first song and then was oh. like wait a second this is not working oh. we had to stop and and so for like 20 minutes we're just on stage oh while no. like while like sound people are like trying what to figure this out and so I I pretended like it was a stand-up set or something I was just like walking with the mic back and forth just Whoa. being like oh let me just talk about some random stuff and then I was uh-huh. like does anyone have any questions <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, isn't that important I mean I remember when I stopped doing improv because I hated it because it was basically just like rehearsals with an audience. Mm-hmm. And, it, and then I moved into like just doing stand up and that sort of euphoric feeling when like, you know that you can just stand on a stage and own it and you don't mm-hmm. need anybody else to sort of be in the mix. You know what I mean? That you can really command a stage. It, it When you start to get good at it and then you become sort of like, it's like a comfortable space for you to be in. That's such a great feeling, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it's really fun. It's really fun. Wow, that is an intense. I will say I've always been jealous of musicians, though, because whenever they make like the vaguest of jokes, they get like uproarious laughter because the crowd isn't expecting it. Same thing with politicians. And so I'm always like so jealous. I'm like, God, I I always thought that with a Bette Midler show, because if you watch Bette Midler, Bette Midler has a great live album called Live at Last. It's before she was like in movies or anything. And it's such like a mix of like her Broadway type comedy mixed with like rock music. And it was, Mm. she blended it in such a way that it was like a comedy show slash a rock concert. It was so weird. And it's such a great album and listen to, I've never actually seen it physically, but Mm. I've listened to it obsessively because it's what I listen to before I get ready for a drag show or anything. Like, it's just like such a great, I would highly recommend you listen to it. It's Oh, okay. Nice. We love some bet. We love some bet. Have you ever seen Sandra Bernhard live? No, Maddie but she's Paul. amazing. Yeah, she's she's amazing. Like my friend uh, Michael for years was like, you have to see her live. And I just kind of wrote her off as being like cabaret, you know, like oh, yeah. <laughs> or whatever. And then it's I so finally went, went to see it. And it was like, 
I mean, it was just like Alan described. It was like, oh, this is a rock show yeah. with somebody who's funny, funny and smart and referential, but she's a rock star. Yeah. Oh, wow. And like That's that, dope. there's such an, I mean, there really is such a, a like there, there, there is something that goes on between comedians and musicians where it's, it always does feel like they're obsessed with the other job, you know, like there, there's some mm-hmm. sort of fantasy about the other job because yeah, you're like Brent said, it's like, you're like, how do you just get away with saying one thing on stage and just the, the, the crowd is wrapped and it's, yeah. but it's, yeah, it's one or the other. It's like, you got to fill the, fill the air. So mm-hmm. of course, John Mayer, John Mayer says like oh, a sentence. God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone swoons. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty good at this. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. John totally. creeps me out. Go ahead. Yeah, he does. Oh, he, he does. <laughs> Wait. So I also know that you were, I mean, you kind of are from all over the country, right? Like mm-hmm. you were born in San Francisco, is, is mm-hmm. that correct? But you yeah. grew up sort of all these different places. Yeah. What would you, what do you, do you consider a place your home? Uh, that's a good question. So yeah, I was born in San Francisco. I spent my elementary school days in Minneapolis, my oh. middle school and high school days in Philadelphia, went to college in Boston. I was in Brooklyn for eight years and I just oh. moved to LA Um, in September so um really just haven't lived in the south that's that's about it for that but um you know uh if anything I would probably say San Francisco holds a place that's really special even after we moved we always kept going back um the heart of my community is like family community is there uh my parents actually moved back in 2019 oh. for that reason so now like when i go to see my parents i go to san francisco yeah. um and uh i think that that is really special but then like my two best girlfriends who are my best girlfriends today we were in the same kindergarten class together in minneapolis you know um, so it's like yeah. there's that like still have like heavy ties to philly um the only place i would not call home is boston you okay know, they, they, <laughs> That just, gets written up. Sorry, but uh, yeah, yeah. Wait, did your family live there? Or you just you lived there when you were at Berkeley. No, I just lived there. Yeah, I just lived there when I was in college. And yeah, then that's a, that's a tough city. I moved five days after graduation. Wow! Oh, wow. Like, oh I, I actually love Boston. It's like one of my favorite cities. Oh, it's definitely not one of my favorite cities, but I enjoy it. Oh, like, you. I'm only can I only can. It's like to me, I have to admit, it's also kind of like San Francisco in that like. I can only be in the city for like three or four days before I have to be like, okay, I need to leave. I need to leave. I don't know why, but I just, there's something happening that I need to leave. Oh, the thing is, is the city itself is beautiful. Like Boston is a really beautiful city. Like the, like, especially where like the old stuff is, is really nice. And like having grown up in Philly, you can see a lot of the same similar styles and stuff just from like, being so fucking old and but there are three months out of the year where it's really nice you can take a walk on the charles yeah you know and then the rest of the time is shit because it's cold and windy and gross and gray if it's a contest between boston and philadelphia which new york can't even put new york in there philadelphia will always win for me philadelphia oh 100 that's a cool city it's like yeah it's like the more fun boston sorry boston yes yes i will agree with that i will agree <laughs> with that there are also more black people so yeah, yeah. <laughs> boston is boston's mayonnaise on saltines yeah <laughs> very segregated. very segregated. 
Well, Maddie, mm-hmm. thank you so much for being here. It was such a treat uh, to no, have no you. Um, where can people follow you and follow you for tour information and et cetera? And get cetera. your new album. Yeah. Yeah. Um, check out my debut album. I hope you can forgive me. Um, it's on all platforms. Uh, you can catch me on tour. Uh, I just put out some new dates in the U.S., uh, Canada, and Europe through November. And you can get those on my website at madisonmcfarren.com. And my handle is at Mad McFerrin, not at Madison McFerrin. She is a college student in Wisconsin. <laughs> um, I I get I get Google alerts about her. She plays basketball. Oh, so good for she, her. You know, her. You know, well, you know, well, Maddie, let, let me say on behalf of the three co-hosts of this podcast, you are forgiven. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that so much. And another thing. Okay, Brent. <laughs> um, now, we recently got together, as we usually do, and we were talking about uh, the Little Mermaid remake coming in. <laughs> I've yeah. remake, which I'm very excited about. I'm going to see it this Thursday. I interviewed Melissa McCarthy for it. You can listen to that chat on my other podcast. That's right. Um, uh, and I, I'm so excited for it. And I, I didn't love all of the Disney remakes that they're doing, the live action remakes, but I'm very eager to see this one. But Brent, you had very strong feelings about not only this remake, but the other live action remakes that Disney had. So in particular, too, I happen to think. Well, those uh, are two you watched. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah correct. <laughs> That's the I happen to think that the, the original Little Mermaid and the original Lion King are kind of infallible when it comes to music. I really, really like the music. I listened to it a lot growing up and I continue. It still comes up on my Let's iPod. Kiss Nana. the Girl. Kiss the Girl uh, is yeah, one of your number girl, ones. Love that song. Very heteronormative. How dare they kiss the person? How dare you? Um, that said, uh, when uh, when they made the remake of The Lion King, um, starring Beyonce and former friend uh, of ours, Donald Glover. Former. Um, well, I mean, I don't, would you hang out with Donald Glover like, no, but <laughs> anymore? I, I think it's fun um, to stress the former. But I mean, hey, I mean, uh, you know, I don't hang out with world famous rappers very much anymore. I don't I don't want to be misleading to our listeners. But uh, that said, that version of The Lion King is absolutely awful. I mean, it just some of my favorite songs. I downloaded them. I was so excited and they were literally unlistenable. They're terrible. And I listened, and I, so I was excited, but apprehensive when I heard that The Little Mermaid was obviously being remade because I, and then I saw Lynn uh, uh, Miranda. Um, Lynn Miranda. That's it. Yeah. I, I, uh, he was involved, and I was like, you know, this guy's very popular, so I'm excited. And I, I've only heard one of the songs. They've only released one of the songs pre-release of the movie. No, they've released and I, They've released more. They have like oh, they more. Well, I listened to it earlier this week. The one song they had at least re- released that I had heard, and I fucking hated it. And I am very on edge. I think I will still see it, but I my guess is that the music is gonna it's gonna suck. I don't know. What do you guys think? I I'm I'm like usually sort of not like disinterested. I I saw the remake of Aladdin with um Alan and and Michael okay. and barely remember remember it um right <laughs> I, I i didn't see the lion king i guess i just don't care enough but i did read i am interested in the little mermaid because it's so it does feel like the linchpin of our youths i mean maybe yeah. even more so than the lion king and beauty and the beast um but more than that i think 
I was just kind of blown away seeing like fawning reviews from I think film festivals yeah. that were like this is a like the way that they have described yeah. the movie as being this beautiful moving transcendent uh, transcendent yeah. film is is the reason that I am um, going to definitely go see it and. I also, I don't know. I mean, the music is great. I, yeah. I, I think it, it's got to be a challenge though to try to outdo the original. Uh, you know, it's it's all yeah. context to me. I think it's all about. I mean, as the resident Disney fag here, mm-hmm. I, um, I, I agree. Seen, I certainly agree with the last part. Of yes, it. of course. I have uh, seen all of the Disney live action remakes, and I agree. Lion King was not. I wouldn't say it was absolutely horrible, but it wasn't great at all. Yeah, great. And Aladdin was by far the worst. However, I did really like Beauty and the Beast, the live action remake. And I loved the Cinderella remake with Kate Blanchett as the evil stepmother. It was perfect. It was just mm. so, so good. Um, that said, I am so excited about Little Mermaid because you're right, Elliot. It was, I remember, I have such a fond like memory of I'm, when I was a kid, I lived with my dad and I couldn't see my mom all the time. And we, she had like a, we had like a couple of weekends we could see each other. And then there was a month of August we could see each other. Mm-hmm. And I remember we, I don't know if it was in August or one of those weekends, but we went to go see Little Mermaid in theaters and it was a big deal. And we sat there just mesmerized by this movie. I mean, we loved this movie. We were yeah. so enthralled by this movie. And we were leaving the theater. This, the guy was handing out tickets to another show, to another movie. And he was apologizing being like, oh, the air conditioning went off during your performance. So we want to accommodate you by giving you a ticket. And all of us were like, we didn't even feel it go off. We were so enthralled by the movie. We weren't even uncomfortable at all. We were loving the movie. Wait, wait, wait. Your mom who air conditions her garage didn't even notice the no, AC We were off? so excited. But you know what we did? We saw immediately the second showing of Little Mermaid. We stayed at the theater. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. We had a second time. That's how much we loved it. So Little Mermaid is like a special one for me. And I, I'm just so excited by... I was really anger at, angry at the the sort of conservative backlash at casting a black woman as Ariel and how people were so angry that they weren't staying true oh, to the original character and all that shit. And so part of me wants to see it just to support that part of it, just to be like, fuck you, I'm supporting this for, the, for that reason. But I also think Rob Marshall, who directs it, and I mean, a huge, I'm a huge fan of Melissa McCarthy too, so I feel like Rob Marshall, who directed Chicago, he's such a perfect director for something like this that I feel like that's one of the reasons why it's getting the reviews that it's getting is because it is, it's a different telling of a story that we love. So it's sort of like, I don't think they can necessarily fuck it up for us because it's like, it isn't the story. It isn't necessarily we're watching the animated version in a live action sense. We're watching a different iteration of it that like only enhances our love more for this story, you know? For sure. Mm. By the way, when I say I'm I'm anxious, I only talk about the music. I'm not talking about whether the movie itself will come together well. I would imagine that the movie itself will come together fairly well. I'm just worried, like, how they're going to remake. Because, you know, they can't do the same thing, of course, that they've already done 20, 30 years ago, because they'll be called hacks or whatever. So they have to change it. And I just find that when they change it a little bit, they just don't usually do it in the right way. Well, people are... <laughs> People are, or, or Michael was talking about this, people are dragging the makeup of Melissa McCarthy's Ursula, especially queer people online. Oh, really? Why? Because they, they released a video of her getting ready for her makeup. And in the movie, you only see her underwater and it's dark and it's blue and you don't really see the details of the makeup. But in this video that Disney released of her getting her makeup done, you see the details. And it's just like any drag queen. You don't want to see them during the daylight or up close. Like you just don't because you see things that like, you don't want to see or that look weird. And 
with her, the eyebrows, when it was just a standalone shot of her in regular light with this makeup on, it looked like bad makeup. It was like green and weird parts and the brows didn't seem to match. And it was just like a lazy drag makeup. But in the film, it works because you have the whole, you know, CGI stuff and you have the lighting and the, all the things that change it. But people are really, and Michael was like, people are hating it. And I was like, well, only queer people and drag queens are really hating this. The vast majority of people watching this movie aren't yeah. going to pick up and they're not going to notice that at all. Uh, I can certainly assure you of that, Alan. <laughs> yeah, you would not I, pick I, up on that. I like Melissa McCarthy just fine. I think she, obviously she's incredibly talented and hilarious, but I'm a little disappointed that she's like, she's Ursula. I thought, why? I, I just thought it would be an opportunity to go for something a little bit weirder or, or like, a, I remember when Lizzo was campaigning for it and I was like, that I would, would be not. No, I would not want that. Why? Wow. Hard line in the sand. Because I think we're thinking that or I love Lizzo. Let me just say that. Oh, yeah. But I love Lizzo. But part of me, she's not an actress. And there's something about this, the role of Ursula, which is to me, over the top, drag, crazy, not so much comedy, but I think you need a comedian, which is why Pat Carroll, who did the original Ursula's voice, she was made famous on the Dick Van Dyke show. She's a long time, like she has that voice of being a comedian. She understands comedy and she understands camp in a way that I don't feel like Lizzo would have understood. And Melissa McCarthy or even a Queen Latifah or someone like that. It has to be an older woman. It has yeah, to yeah, that's fair. start in life. It has to be, there has to be a deepness to this woman. And she also has to be the sister because in the film version, she's the sister of King Triton. So like, oh yeah, to match an age to, to Javier Bardem, who's playing that role. Like there's all of those things that I think, I hear what you're saying, but I think it needs a more nuanced actor. Uh, See, that's funny. Wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. If you don't think Lizzo should play <laughs> Ursula, uh, you are the problem. Can I just say that? What would your aunt say? Brent, what would your Aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's show? Uh, they, they should have taken my advice and cast Ursula as Dom DeLuise. Cast <laughs> yes, Dom DeLuise as Ursula. As <laughs> Ursula, yes, exactly. Um, my Aunt Joanne would say, well, at least the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence get satirists. We get nothing. <laughs> what about Aunt Anne? Aunt Anne would say, I'll tell you one thing the Dodgers should ban. Marco Rubio, such a sweaty little man. Have you seen him? He is, he is. Remember when he got so much... Remember when he first won in like 2010 and everyone's like, he's so good looking. It's like, I'm sorry. Oh. He's like a three out of 10. Do you remember when the water bottle, the water bottle thing after he gave it the state of the, the union bottle. response yeah. thing. Yeah, response, such a good yeah. moment. But also I can relate to that. I stay very hydrated. Oh, okay. It's just so quaint in comparison. You have yeah, Trump literally caught on tape asking for votes and <laughs> people yeah. are like, okay, but Rubio in 2010 yeah. or whatever drinking water was. Rubio having cotton mouth and everyone's like, he's done. <laughs> right. Also, well, he, was a, he like was a Catholic and then a Mormon and then a Catholic again or something. He's a Mor he was a Mormon? Yeah, for like a while. It was like a whole thing. I mean, I'll have to look into that. But yeah, he changed around a bunch. Mm. Elliot, do you think he's attractive? He's handsome. Oh, God. <laughs> End it now. Here we go. <laughs>